Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Pre-market fairly stable following the lightest S&P volume day in about four weeks. Bank regulators on the hill today. We've got earnings from Walgreens, PVH, of course, Micron, Lulu tonight. Our roadmap's going to be in with the Alibaba breakup, planning to split into six units and explore separate IPOs. Shares are popping ahead of the open. Plus AI in the metaverse, Disney's metaverse unit getting the axe, while Goldman warns a potential significant disruption to the labor market due to AI. And there's a leadership shakeup at Lyft. Will it be enough to stem that stock's continued slide? Let's begin with Alibaba, up sharply in the pre-market on this decision to split into six independent entities, including cloud, Chinese e-commerce, global e-commerce, a media and entertainment group. Each unit will have its own CEO and board. The move comes one day after founder Jack Ma returned to mainland China for the first time in almost a year and sort of dovetails with this push, Jim, to meet with Apple and ASML. Yeah, it's a charm offensive. Yeah. And everybody knows that Bob is the love stock. They could do it with Baidu coming up. You start thinking, what happens if Amazon did this? Where would Amazon go? I mean, look, this is just a typical Chinese trap. All right. This is what they do. You know, they tried to do a couple of IPOs the other day. They were both they were bombs. So why not go with the big gun, suck everybody in, get things a little bit more, uh, let's just say, uh, copacetic between the two of us so they can take more of our money. Now, David, they are really about as brilliant as I've ever seen in terms of conning us. This is one of the best cons I've ever seen. Wow. This is going to get everybody in. Why are you so cynical on this? Because of, how about because of the fact that the Seventh Fleet? How about because of Taiwan? How about because our two countries aren't talking? I mean, but then, what are they talking through? Let's go get some American money. Hey, maybe we line up J.P. Morgan on the IPOs. Why not do that? Get J.P. Morgan in it. A lot of money to be made. U.S. is craving. They're just capitalist dolts. It does seem... Uh, I, it, it's not certain that there are going to be IPOs of all of these different units. Well, it depends how much money they you know, can obviously give Obviously, e-commerce being by far the largest single part of it. Craven uh, and then, capitalism and then versus totalitarian capitalism. I'll take totalitarian capitalism any day because they win. Oh, David, all those people, all those, those the emerging markets people, this is our chance. Well, let's get in. But, a, but you said it, if Amazon were to say something like this, or even uh, Alphabet, which already has segregated a number of its businesses into... The other bets the other that don't really seem idea. to work out and everything like else, yeah. um, but their you, stocks you would respond Texas. positively. And in this case, you've got a lot of analysts doing IPOs. some of the parts yeah. and saying, listen, the thing trades at less than 10 times uh, earnings. And yeah. so if you get a 10 multiple on e-commerce, you get right. worth 100 bucks a share. Cloud intelligence, 15 a share at three times revenues. Again, okay. based on sort of the typical market multiples for for many of these different businesses. You get very small here, digital media and entertainment. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how they can well, really spin that I was just or being sell naked that. and honest, okay? But you're talking about macro versus micro. Well, I, can I mean, easily, you can invest in Alibaba today because they're doing this. What a great opportunity. 
It's fantastic. There will be a lot of IPOs. I think that J.P. Morgan Asian desk must be salivating. Maybe Morgan Stanley, Goldman's integral. Everybody gets ha- everybody's happy. And then the investors, they come in now and they just get completely butchered. But that's okay because this is international commerce, David. And the fact that I'm willing to tell the truth is shocking. Uh, how are they going to get butchered, though, Jim? In other words, your well, thought is in this now. is nothing more than a headline that will not be followed up by now, actual 94. action or what? Come in 94. No, no, they'll do everything. I'm just saying that. They have to lure, it's L-U-R-E for you non-Philadelphians, us back in because lately they haven't been able to take any of our money. The IPOs have been failures. This is good, David. This is plenty of flag right, well, right, right now. Right now, they're a long way from IPOs. And there are people being encouraged <laughs> simply by the idea that when you segregate these businesses, right. you can fire more people, frankly, because okay, you I actually worked, have direct reporting. You have direct right. reporting lines. It's a lot more helpful. Okay, I worked at Goldman Sachs. I go in today. I go into my... I don't know, my syndicate desk, corporate finance. Say, guys, we're back. We're back. We're bigger than ever. Does anyone say, you know what, they've suckered us on every... This is it. Joe and Lai's back. Joe's back. One of my faves. Joe and Lai, capitalist rotor. What's going on? Sort of takes us, it does take us Carl. back to um, IPO day for Alibaba when Jack Ma sat here with us, talked about Forrest Gump. Yeah. Uh, and, and David asked him how he sort of ladders the priorities of customers, employees, and shareholders. Here's what he said. Got a lot more shareholders today. Is that going to change at all in any way, the way you view your business or run your business? Well, I think, Stu, as always, I believe that customer number one, employee number two, and shareholder number three. But uh, today, what we've got is not the money. What we've got is the trust from the people. Millions of small business, so many shareholders. I'm very honored and so excited because when you see these shareholders, you know, it's the responsibility. I've been thinking about the next five and ten years, how I can make sure these shareholders be happy. But the very important things make these guys, people standing there, if they are successful, we all be happy. That's what I believe. Well, there you go. All right, feel better. Uh, how a, about the fact been a long road for Alibaba okay. since then. Obviously, the company had a almost $700 billion market value sort of at the top of, towards the uh, I think towards the beginning of the pandemic there okay, so and suffered us, greatly since TikTok. then. They give us TikTok. They give us, you know, kind of a, a mall. Yeah. Um, they, they give us a lot of shopping, uh, Amazon. You know what they want? They want $2.5 billion in LAM research equipment so they can make semiconductors that are better than what went into the 486. That's what this is about. It's about applied materials. It's about LAM. They can't make the they can't make the stuff that they need for to be able to defend themselves in the coming whatever they have to do against our military. David, this is a charm offensive to so get lamb. You're, and you're, LL, you're and jumping LL. from Alibaba saying it's basically this is being done as a result of pressure from the Communist Party to do this because of the uh, continuing competition between our countries specific to technology and the Chips Act, for example, which will not allow those who well, take money from the CHIPS Act to actually help the Chinese develop advanced semiconductors. I can't say it as well as you did. 
I think that's completely I what it is. So you're not supposed wanna... to say it. You're not supposed to say what I'm saying. You really are drawing that connection, huh? It's just well, instead they, of saying, they, hey, it's a company that, in... by the way, the stock has, you know, well, had a just... rough go of it. Okay. They feel like they're going to be better off splitting into a lot of different it's Lenin, things for Lenin in reasons. 1925 is a new economic policy. What do you want me to say? This is what they do. Carl, the Communist Party is very worried about the semiconductors. Ah, uh, Yeah. I mean, ASML, with this statement this morning, uh, they met with the Minister of Commerce, uh, who said that China is committed to promoting high-level opening up, creating a a good business environment for international companies, including ASML. Let a thousand Starbucks cups bloom. I mean, come on. It's so naked that it's almost famous. Good drink, by the way. I just look at this. Naked and famous. I kind of look at this and just say, we're just such a bunch of damn capitalist fools in this country. We'll actually buy it. Here we have a secretary of commerce who's willing to stand up to them. But these guys come back and say, IPO? Holy cow, how's the quarter? So whether or not you played in this one, does it not open a runway for IPOs in general? What, from China? No, of any kind. No, well, I don't know. I mean, no, because this is going to be... This is different. We're our IPOs are somewhat stymied by Ahsoka Valga. Uh Well, yeah. Right now, the capital oh, markets here are not doing much of anything, they'll as we strike. know. They'll jam that. Uh, you're getting hardly any deals done, including even debt financing deals, which right. you, you got to start to get uh, moving but again. Which, which will, but you don't find but, it quizzical that they are trying to get semiconductors so that they throw us a bone of Alibaba. You don't find you that think quizzical. It's more about that than TikTok. Well, TikTok, yeah, they want to figure it out. TikTok, because it's important that they find out what 150 million people are watching. Because they need that data. I'm just having a hard time believing, and maybe, call me naive, that that the Communist Party is dictating corporate actions like this at Alibaba. You're kidding me, right? (laughs) No, I'm not. You need a vacation. I mean, I I did spend time there. I mean, you know, I I used to hang out with Jack Ma. He was no... I studied Jack Ma. He was not a... uh, he was, he was like, not a favorite of the party. A, By the a, way, do you remember what he did a number of years ago that completely screwed the ant IPO, ant. which would have been the biggest of all time, when he came out and criticized the regulators and then they banished him? Okay, now you're taking my side. What are you like? I guess Don I'm just Luis? trying to work through it in my head. He's a friendly today. <laughs> I've spent enough time with you. It's finally happened. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying that it seems... <laughs> an, uh, okay, let me back up and be statesmanlike. Oh, my what? God. Now you're going to be me. What an odd coincidence that here you've got... They're worried about TikTok. And 150 million people, though, because they, they want sure. that information. They want our data and they them? want our chips. Who can blame them? They probably want our credit, our SCR, they want our Social Security. So they, they can't get to, they're worried about TikTok. They need to have the American capitalists, goons and knaves and mountbanks on their side, which is easy enough because they got a lot of IPO money. And they need to have, uh, the, they need to have land research because you can't make the chips that can make effective battleships and aircraft carriers and planes if you don't have those. So what do they do? They give us shares of Alibaba, and then they mute us because we are, they think we're such a bunch of capitalist hacks, and they're right. That's what's really interesting. They have more discipline. They're smarter than we are in that sense. They know that in the end, if you right. throw away some so IPO if, dollars... If we were smarter, would we also insist that Apple and Tesla stop selling or manufacturing goods there? Made yeah. in China is fine in China. It's when you export to China. Made in China, you're fine. So it's okay if it's made in China and exported here, like every I, iPhone. No, I, did I say that? I said made in China, sold in China. All right, this was made in China. Okay, well, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm just saying that it seems like a quizzical time to bring this deal 
given the fact that every day you come in here. They haven't brought the deal, Jim. No, okay, All right, they've announced the reorganization of the, right, of the me, units okay, I'm give that are going to have a board of directors, right, CEOs, go, so that it will lend itself to an IPO at one time. Okay. I, I'm going to go to my, my colleague over here. <laughs> you know, Carl, what a great opportunity. Maybe we ought to just give them the $2.5 billion from, from, from LAM, because that stuff's key and it's cutting edge. In return, a lot of banks get fees. It's good because the quarters for the banks, as we know, is going to be very weak. This could offset both commercial real estate and it could even, I'll tell you the truth, make it so that the, the more ins- better deposit insurance. You, 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 you've I can't been calling track, for man. a ban on Chinese IPOs here yeah, for, for years. a long time. Because I hate our people to lose money. We need some sort of comp- We need some sort of cooperation with China. I well, gotta tell I, I, you. Yeah, I, I know. We, we do. I mean, you do. We do. We can't co- have completely separate systems, which is the way we seem to be going. It's not going to be good. That's not a good thing. It may be ultimately what happens, but no, I think you can't they, argue that that's going to be. But they have to give in on certain things. They I, have to. Okay, fair point. I mean, I think that, you know, look, you want to do the Alibaba, you want to do some of that here. Okay, back off on TikTok. Yeah, separate. That, stop having the Chinese Communist Party say it can't be safe. That's a. That's an IPO that you're in favor of. The TikTok well, I, USA, or actually well, I wouldn't don't really be an IPO. want TikTok because my Chapel Trust lives along reels and marks of yeah, yeah, crushing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not because they're spying, it's because they're going to take over your no, brain no, no, with no, TikTok. I'm just, all I'm saying is I find it, I'm going to back in time and going back like Superman with the eight seconds and saying I find it quizzical. <laughs> okay. I just, I, I have, I keep imagining now this big board back at his house, you know, like oh, a yeah, beautiful oh, yes. mind, like, and uh, he's got the whole Zodiac. thing worked out. There you go. Yeah, Communist Party and the men, Jack Ma. Did you notice they have a guy who's president for life? I, I did. I did. We have a commerce secretary that stood up to them. I'm backing her. I hear you. Okay. I'm not disagreeing with a lot of what you're saying. It's How many of those 150 million TikTokers those... vote? Right? How many of the parents want to vote against TikTok because they want their kids to be able to go to good schools? Be productive. All right, I said it. Yep. Otherwise, I favor cooperation. Yeah, yeah. I welcome it. And, it's true. You know? The Chinese do actually ban a lot of the TikTok apps, what of Nixon TikTok things that own. we allow in their own country. What did Nixon say after going to the museum of the little, um, uh, little statues? I don't know. Yeah. Said in- interesting wrinkle this morning. Uh, when we come back, Disney uh, ditching its metaverse unit while Goldman warns of labor market disruption when it comes to AI. Take a look at the pre-market. Uh, pretty steady. We've got some calls today on Ulta, uh, Carrier, Paramount, Siena, Carnival. When we come back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. 
Disney has exited the metaverse. According to the journal today, the company has eliminated its next generation storytelling and consumer experience unit, which was responsible for developing metaverse strategies. The division had about 50 members, but the cuts are part of Disney's larger restructuring plan aimed at reducing headcount by about 7,000. And Iger's memo, uh, Jim, yesterday said that there'll be more coming up this summer. Yeah, I thought this was a big deal because JPEX, uh, one of his big initiatives was the metaverse. I'm David, if you call, you felt that this was maybe a solution for where they were going? Uh, uh, ESPN related as yes, well. Yes, ESPN with the idea way. that maybe you could track players, you could get deeper into it. could be uh, right fantasy. in the middle of the action somehow. Right. Yeah. This is a good plan. It might have been. I mean, it's, I don't think I, that Iger is necessarily opposed to the idea of it, but they're in a cost-cutting mode right now. Right. And if they don't see an opportunity for real revenue at some point well, in the not-too-distant future, it's not a part of their plan I right now. I think Metaverse is very hard. I think Zuckerberg is saying Metaverse is very hard. It's proving harder than people realize. Yeah, why, why do you think that is, Jim? Because I think, first of all, if you have, a, have to wear a headset, it's a loser. But second, you need, say, Unity software, spending a lot of money. You can write them checks because you have to follow players individually. I also think that the term itself has become a turn off. And why do you think it's been harder for, for uh, Meta? The metaverse. Well, because I think that they don't really, they've gone about it in a way that surprises me. They, is, let's take the way that Jensen Wong's going over what, what he's done in video. First, he lines up a lot of partners. And then he says, listen, what do you need? And we'll give you what you need. Meta is more like, we build it and they'll come, metaverse. It, you know, that's just not a, as good a way to do business as the way Jensen's doing. I mean, Jensen sits down and says to Adobe, guys, what would really help? And then Adobe does this incredible thing. It's like, we would like to have a scene that's a summer scene and go to a winter scene. And Alex said, okay, Jensen does it. Jensen is partner-oriented. He is not a man, he doesn't do any missionary work. What he does is make it so that your product is better than you thought. The product that I think that I see on Metaver in Meta is a product where I'm a cartoon figure. Right. And that's, that's a loser. Right. Yeah, that's a loser. The Journal's got this additional story about Meta. Uh, Trimming some bonuses, offering more frequent reviews, uh, incremental year of efficiency stuff. Well, I mean, I think some of us who are from Wall Street read that and say, what the hell were you doing? I mean, like, hey, you know, look, everybody stays. David, it's like a big party. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg's not a partier. Uh, He's not. I, the, uh, the attitude over there has changed, I think. You could say almost dramatically. See, I think it's, it's like, more like there's what no Mark's more free really lunch. Like. Literally, probably no more free I, lunch. Look, Mark Zuckerberg works cutting out the cafeterias and every floor and the Mazel gourmet the food. Kid. Yeah, um, and it's the year of efficiency and flatter organizational structure. A lot of different things going on there at, at David, Meta. What? Obviously, they were spending enormous amounts on the Metaverse. Yes. Let's not forget the thousands of engineers but they what? hired. I mean, I think that when you see how much money they saved by eliminating people, you know they were overpaying people. I mean, obviously, there was a real issue out in the white-collar recession, which is that you did six interviews with them. You, spent, you were bidding against Alphabet maybe for the other bets division, which I know you love to mention because it's just so ludicrous. And what happens is, is that that game's over. You can get all the engineers you want. They're a dime a dozen. Remember how hard they were getting? Just go to Caltech, there's probably a lot of bread. It wasn't that long ago that it was difficult to find engineers. I would assume it's still difficult to find the best engineers. The best engineers. Yes. Well, I just think that what they're doing is doing what I call Performance reviews. Although these days you can have a you can have ChatGPT for write your simplest code for if you want. Why not? Well, you're going to need some of those engineers to write this. We mentioned this Goldman note on AI yesterday. Uh, 300 million full-time jobs subject to some form of automation. 
Now, That's going to require some engineers. Now, what was that meeting like at Goldman? I, I say 200. I say 40. Yeah, I don't know where they became the expert on this, but there are any number of different surveys going on right now that come down to the same conclusion, which is that ChatGPT and or other generative AI kind of platforms are going to replace an awful lot of jobs. Unless you're a motorcycle repairman, apparently, did you see that? Or a a fry cook or uh, one other, uh, there's one other thing, you're you're in. But they're going to get rid of, they will eliminate the person who, does the drive-through? Yes. Now they don't say they're going to do that, and they say that they like the the person's touch. Um, you don't know that it's not a person for heaven's sake. That's the whole point of it. it, 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 it you don't know. It's going to replace a lot of accountants, apparently. See, now if, if Goldman had said we see two hundred and eighty-seven million five hundred and thirty-six thousand jobs, women, I, I'd go with it. But they use that kind of broad number. Doesn't have well, any it's early days. It's early days. These are the, well, and the you know, these are the product, these huge productivity well, gains. Jen, Jensen and you get to a say, point, and then, of course, human species, no Jensen, more. Jensen <laughs> said, not sure where that is. No, no Jensen but, says ultimately it's going to produce more jobs because there's going to be more, more new things. It, it's not. Maybe. They're, they're, it's, it's, it, it, David, this produced a lot of jobs. Remember Jensen, you ever listened to Tim Cook and all maybe, the jobs? Maybe Jensen's just a simulation or an alien himself. Who he knows? actually, when I went to him, I said, is this a simulation? On, on his speech. No, it was actually Jensen. Oh, nice. Nice yeah. twist. He might yeah. be. You know, people used to say Einstein was a was an alien. Maybe he is, too. Well, Einstein, like Mark Benioff's Einstein? I don't know. Einstein, Einstein. Yeah, like they're among us. Albert. And have been for exactly. years. Exactly. And you, your buddy Jensen is one of them, and he's basically planting the seeds for the My end buddy. of the human species, My so buddy. then his species can come and take us over. What do you think? I think he's a humanitarian <laughs> who's trying to combat waste. And everybody loves him except for you. But I patched up you and Benny off. I'll do it with you and Jensen. You did. You did. That was not easy. I'm sure it wasn't. And I appreciate it because Mark is a, welcome. Is, a, is a great man. When we come back, Kramer's mad dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. We'll get to a little bit more in media with these calls on Paramount and Fox today out of B of A. Future's uh, pretty close to the flat line. Don't go anywhere. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take a look at some laggards on the S&P today. You'll see Fox at the top there as uh, Jessica Reef Ehrlich over at uh, B of A downgrades to neutral, uh, goes from 42 to 34, says we struggle to find near-term catalysts to drive shares higher, even argues that their portfolio may be less sensitive to a potential recovery in the ad market. We'll get Jim's take on that in a bit. Opening bell coming up. Uh, Don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. All right, we got a minute and a half before we get to uh, an opening bell. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. One of my is the name. Yeah. 
One of my favorite executives is Lawrence Curtius. He's the chairman and CEO of McCormick. They've missed the quarter a bunch of times. This was the first quarter that tells me that they may be out of the woods. They've got a 5% constant currency sales growth, which is pretty good because they do have a lot of business overseas. And I do think that this may be the beginning of the return of growth we've been waiting for. Now, a lot of the growth did come from uh, price, not from volume. And a lot of people say, well, wait a second, that's not the real situation. What you want, you want General Mills, we had volume and price. But, you know, it's a start. And I think people are going to open the books and look at this again and say, you know what? It did have a, there was a big negative impact of COVID in China. That's over. And spices are something that do well when people do cook at home, but they also have a service component at work. So I think that the stock is putting in a bottom here. Okay. Very good company. Okay. Very well done company. All right, let's get to the opening bell this morning on the CNBC Real-Time Exchange at the big board. It is the NYSE's annual sustainability leader summit. And at the NASDAQ, it's Bentley Systems, an infrastructure engineering software company. One of your takes this morning, Jim, was light volume yesterday, kind of quiet. You don't really mind that. Okay, I'm doing my, my investment club talk, and I've got about 5,000 words, I mean, I spend a lot of time on it, once a month. And then I said, all right, let's crack open the books of what reported last night. And they wasn't even important, PBH, and they don't even have a conference call. So, I mean, it was the lightest night of research for anyone who cares about stocks. So, literally, it was nothing. This morning, it was Walgreens. It looked okay. And, I, you know, I mentioned McCormick, obviously, the Alibaba, but... This this was the lightest night I've ever. If it weren't, for, this was a great night to work on the investment club because boy, there is nothing. I mean, we can talk about about Lyft and how right. Lyft didn't. We're going to get to that. They they couldn't pivot. Lyft uh, decided, you know what? We got a couple guys stepping back there, David. Uh, we're going to get to Lyft in a moment. Uh, yeah. that, that that said, we do get Micron, which some argue oh, will Micron's either ratify or not the NDX's move. And then Lulu, can they uh, oh, repeat my. Nike's inventory? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, Nike. The long knives are still out for Nike. I thought the quarter was okay. I think that the problem with Nike is on holding. I'm not kidding. This is the first true challenger to Nike. Now, it's only a $1 billion company. Nike would say, Jim, are you out of your mind? They're small. The trajectory of them getting to a $1 billion versus Nike, they did it in, in one-eighth the time of Nike. So Nike's better wake up and realize that on is a performance shoe that is also taken on a fashion element. It's very small right now, but look out. And Hope is doing quite well, too, from Deckers. And that, that, took, a, that, that took 10 years to develop. Uh, but I, I think... I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm focused on Nike because I think that Lulu has low expectations. Nike had high expectations. Calvin McDonald, I'm not so sure about how well Muir's doing. I know the people at Peloton are saying, Jim, be careful with Muir. Muir's not selling. But I think that uh, Calvin McDonald, I mean, uh, David, the expectations for Lulu yeah. are like they're going to miss big because they've missed the last couple times. I look at, by the way, PBH. Stefan Larson putting up great numbers with Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein. How about that? Wow, wow look at that. Well, those were great numbers. Yeah. They, that, that's a real turn because they have a lot in Europe and they have a constant currency problem like a lot of others. But I, I think Stefan Larson, I mean, I, when I met with these, these guys, they are on their game. They are re-energizing their business. Don't get in the way of them or RL, which is another company doing really well. Do I want to take any... Um solace from all these, though, uh, in terms of the state of the consumer, or is it more of a company by company? A lot of Europe. All right, that's that's okay. Europe's a pretty big market. A lot of Europe. 
That's um, one reason we got the uh, CCL upgrade today was that Europe was pretty yeah, resilient. and RL is going to have a nice roadmap in China. Look, we finally, you know, we've been, these stocks are selling at seven, eight, nine, the, like the multiples are ridiculous. And the people who are well, running these companies now, they are pros. There still is I mean, this expectation we're going to have a recession pretty soon. Well, no, this is highest end. Highest yeah. end. When, if you sit down. I'm just saying about the multiples. Pat- Patrice Lovey. Okay, now he's got a low teens multiple. But Patrice Lovey, Stefan Larson, these are seasoned fashion hands. And they are, you can, the highest end fashion is still doing. Think about LVMH. It still does. Yeah, LVMH. LVMH. Nothing we, stops we can't Bernard talk about LVMH. Nothing stops no. that man. But I just think that the highest money. end, David, is working. Now, remember, yesterday we had a downgrade in Ollie's. Very interesting. Now, the lowest end, not working. Not working. No. Ollie's okay. closing. No, you don't need Ollie's closing. TJ, my charitable trust owns it. It's not doing much of anything. Candidly. I thought the quarter was good, but they had the guts to admit that people were stealing. Take a look at Walgreens. I didn't see anything in the release about theft. Um... Guys, uh, on the research front, uh, and Carl, you'd mentioned a downgrade of Fox by Jessica Reef Ehrlich, still an influential analyst, whether she was Jessica Reef, Jessica Reef Cohen, or Jessica Reef Ehrlich. I was going to make that same joke, but I decided to hold back. Well, I did it. Okay. I don't know why. It just she, came to me. She's the axe. She's been there for a long yep. time, and she still has a great deal of influence. Paramount shares are up uh, almost 7% because she did upgrade Paramount at the same time. She was not particularly positive on Fox. She just talks about asset value. There's Fox. Uh, she talks about asset value at, at Paramount. Uh, saying in the near term, they appear focused on scaling their flagship DTC service, um, but um, sort of skeptical about how they, how well they can succeed given the relatively smaller scale versus peer. However, she, peers, however, she thinks uh, two likely outcomes. One is they successfully execute, and the other is they don't, which could lead the company to sell, in our view, likely at a significant premium. She notes, of course, sale of BET. There was interest in Showtime. They chose not to sell that. $3 billion? Was that real? You know, I've heard it might have been real. David Nevinson, along with private equity, may be coming in and trying to buy Showtime. But backers decided it was better off being a part of Paramount Plus, which has had the best subscriber growth of any of the DTC services. That said, this is a company on track to potentially lose money, be negative cash flow this year. Uh, you know, still spending a lot on Paramount Plus. Real questions in terms of at least right. um, why they maintain the dividend. Well, we know why. It's to actually pay Sherry. And then the question becomes, Sherry Redstone, who controls the company, what is her, uh, what does she want? Will she ever really consider a sale, either in pieces or in whole? Will she ever get to the point where Paramount actually is something that would be sold? Clearly, there's a belief that our parent company, Comcast, would have interest in pursuing some sort of transaction were it to be available. I don't know, but it's that's pretty, what's got the stock going. It's pretty unscripted, because if you ask it's me. you know it, it's pretty it, unscripted, if you ask me. A lot of it comes down to what Sherry is feeling Jim and thinking Stewart about joke. the real. F- <laughs> what unscripted? It's pretty unscripted, if you ask me. If you go to the end of unscripted, I don't want to spoil it. I, I don't watch alert. that show. It's a, no Jim Stewart's book, unscripted. Oh, that's the name of that book? Yeah, at the end. By the way, I read every page of that book. <laughs> I just didn't remember the name. the name. I didn't like the title. No offense. Huh? Well, I'm just saying but that... But the book that was it, good. It is. It's Sherry's call. Sherry's call. And why would she, after all these years of trying to get it, why would she just sell it? That's the question. I think, I think that's, that's the what question. I agree would with you. Would you like a scripted and one? Nobody knows. No, I don't know. I needed something more that stuck in my head. Unscripted? How about working title? Could have been, been anything. Could have been anything. <laughs> um, it's a great book. Jim, really quick, um, 
Oxy and oil. Oh, uh, I mean, Buffett stake is now twenty three six. I know. Uh, Cowan today upgrades to outperform. They go to seventy. Well, um, Oxy sustainability. A lot of people feel that Oxy is the formula for decarbonization. Um, Oxy very levered to Permian. The Permian's been awful of late. You know, Warren Buffett is. This stock would be down. Would be much much lower if Warren Buffett weren't buying the stock. But then again, that's like saying, well, so what? I mean, so would Paramount, by the way. But be lower if yeah, they didn't own, buying. I don't know, 16% but, of the company. I mean, but now, do you really think it's him? I mean, he's just sitting there buying oxygen. No, I think it's somebody who thinks the transaction's coming. I don't know if it's him or if it's somebody else really? in the shop. Yeah, what, what else other reason is it? They haven't even talked to management. What, of Oxy? No, Paramount. Oh, yeah, I know. I, Paramount is just a, that's an open book. But, that's yes, it was a good transition because, of course, they are the largest no, by I far. No, I mean, he buys Oxy. Are they going to buy the rest of Oxy? Well, they should. I mean, if you're doing a creepy tender offer. But, I mean, the problem with Oxy is and everyone says, ooh, I got to buy it. And then they realize that oil's going down. I think oil's bottoming. Here. I was going to say. That was my, my theme last night. I think a, oil's bottoming. There's a piece on the tape today that the White House has blown their chance to refill the SPR. And, and that sale that we had for two weeks. He's got a great short and cover. He just has to cover. You got to cover. You got to ring the register. Remember when I spoke to the president when he was a senator and he was so proud of being the poorest man in the Senate? Doesn't sound like he's actually the, the Jay Gould of. Uh, so you don't think he's a good trader, is what you're saying? Well, I think he's more of a buy and hold. <laughs> so they yeah. sold, but they right they dollar cost yeah, average. They should yeah, be buying yeah, back lower, but they're not going to. Great dollar cost average. Uh, look, I think you ought to just buy it, just fill it up again. But they have this new view that we have so much oil in the country that we, it's not as a, the necessity that it used to. Be. Well, you, you tweeted about Nat Gas at least last My night. My God, Nat Gas quarter one disaster. Too. I mean, you, you're not going to make any money in Nat Gas, but that means because you got to have that Freeport facility open up. Now it is starting to open. Yeah, the Freeport facility but, is beginning to open. I mean, there is just like there's too many. You know, we were supposed to. There was no Russian offensive that it, that took out natural gas capacity, and it wasn't a cold winter, and so we we're swimming in that gas. We can't export enough of it. Look at that. It could go below the cost of production very easily. Wow. Well, actually, in some places, it is close. Four to two. Now, Semper's building a very good pipeline. Pioneer said anything below two makes it very difficult for Well, my trust owns Pioneer, and it's been a very challenged time for Scott Sheffield, but he's able to pivot more to oil. The one that has the most natural gas as a percentage is Kotara, and they actually made the quarter. It's kind of funny. But I do do believe that oil is bottomed. Natural gas is a different different animal entirely. By the way, you know, we don't have, we're not, what's going to happen to New England? They've shut most of Nuke. They, solar's not enough. And sun, that, isn't that sunny there? I mean, they, I think New England is going to be a lot like Tell Germany. Me. Like Germany? Yes. Like springtime no, when in did Germany. They, no, like them bombing Pearl Harbor. I mean, no, Sorry, I, mean, I can't. I'm just, I'm, just I'm going saying, on vacation for a couple of weeks. I can tell so. you're, 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 you're yeah. on an intellectual vacation right now. Listen. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I just think if you shut down all forms of energy and you don't extend the pipelines, it, there'll be a lot of angry voters. Even more angry voters than would be in TikTok if you want to f- go full circle. There'll be a lot of angry teenage girls, man. Well, yeah, they're going to. They're going to vote their darn fool heads off. Something else will come along. Yeah, Why can't the the Communist Party just say, you know what? Here we go again with the Communist Party. All roads in his mind lead to the Communist Party of China. I actually think that that the biggest existential threat to our country is Taiwan. I I do. That's what I... By the way, nearer term, if the Chinese start to arm the Russians, 
that's also a huge threat. It's like the Manchurian candidate, the original one. With uh, because Sinatra. the sanction, everything that will happen as a result, if that were to actually happen, would be very bad. Thank him for recognizing that there was indeed a Cold War for many years. Queen of Hearts, right? Was it the Queen of Hearts? All right, guys. Angela Lansbury. Ah, uh, yes. All right, I'm going to do a quick favor report here on a, on ongoing a potential auction in uh, M&A land. It's kind Are of you fun. Emerson? No. Are you in Emerson? No. I'm what? doing WWE. Oh, I said she's doing Emerson. You should be a wrestling character. I could see you in a ring, <laughs> bouncing around. You don't take too interactive as well. Yeah. Um, WWE. Uh, why? Well, because, of course, this company is in the process potentially of being sold. A lot of people had doubts about it for any number of reasons, including, of course, whether or not Vince McMahon, who, who still owns, what, 37% of the company uh, and, you know, in many ways controls it, would ever really sell. We'll get to that in a minute. But from what I'm hearing, at least from people familiar with the situation, is shaping up to pretty, pretty good uh, sale process. Uh, you know, some people saying pretty hot and heavy. And uh, those who even were somewhat doubtful, in fact, that you'd get to a sale at the end seem less so. Does that mean that something gets done here? Listen, unclear. Who's participating? We can all take our various guesses. Obviously, as I reported previously, is our interest from Endeavor, for example, in pursuing what would be a complex transaction in terms of a reverse Morris Trust, where they would spin off UFC into NUCO and control that company, which would be merged with WWE. Sure, they'd like to ex uh, explore that concept. Is there private equity interest in the part of some? Yes, when, when perhaps in partnership with, uh, with well-known names in the sport, that's a possibility. Does Liberty have an interest, at least, in taking a look? Sure. The Saudis moved heavily into golf, as we know, took a look at Formula One. So would the PIF have interest? Yes, that's a possibility. There may be others, but something has led, at least, to a number of people close to this to indicate to me that it is not just live, but uh, it's going quite well. It is expected to, we'll see, conclude is in the not-too-distant future. A key here, though, remains... McMahon's real willingness to sell, it's a topic that I brought up with the company's CEO not that long ago, right here on the set. Listen to what he had to say. Vince has declared to the board, to me, to other uh, upper management, he is 100% open to a transaction where he's not included in the company moving forward. I really believe he's looking for the best value for the shareholders. Keep in mind, he's also a large shareholder. He's 77 years old, and I think he's uh, ready to take a look at the landscape. If he really does take a look at that landscape, it would appear then it is going to be populated by potential buyers for the company. We're talking about a half a billion in EBITDA. You can make your own guesses in terms of what that's worth. Big television contract needs to be renegotiated in the not-too-distant future. Our parent company, by the way, is the main, I mean, between uh, Peacock and USA. That's where wrestling gets, uh, gets seen. And they got WrestleMania coming up. It's like their Super Bowl. Uh, that's real near term. By the way, again, Comcast... My understanding, not part of this sale process. You know, they have an unbelievable subscription business. Yes, direct-to-consumer they had. Really yeah, they were the first, first to do that. Let me ask them. I know they have some really smart people involved, so I know some people involved. Why have they been so much better at direct-to-consumer than so many others? I don't know. Is this just a rabid fan base? Yeah, I mean, it's a very contained, strong fan base. That said, I mean, Peacock obviously is an important distribution partner for that. They had incredible research, target research, understand the top of the funnel concept. Carl, they had the best minds I've ever met in subscription working there. And they're unheralded. They've moved on to other places. But it's a huge winner. And they've managed to be, they're very lucrative. And I would, if I were Disney, I would just, Peacock, anyway, the team is available. Yeah. The team's available. 
Yeah. Uh, well, given what we how we talk about the importance of sports in media, uh, it seems a natural. We'll watch that. Uh, Lyft, Jim, uh, co-founders Logan Green, John Zimmer are out as CEO and president. Uh, David Risher, board member, is going to take that role. It's a lot what of chatter today about night. whether it sets them up for something. What else. a great interview last night that Deirdre did. I mean, I came back, Deirdre Bosa, I came back and said, these guys have failed to pivot. I mean, you know, look, it's, it's like DoorDash, okay? DoorDash, they look, they've pivoted. Dara's pivoted. Obviously, the leader of the pivot at this point now, pivot meaning going to actual gap problem. We have mentioned Salesforce, which David is crushing. So Lyft didn't, they didn't, they just kind of didn't do it. I, you know, a lot of people just be off the desk, David. They said they're just too nice. Too nice. They're Can't nice be guys. nice, man. Well, you're nice. Nice is not going to get you anywhere. It's going to get you a $3.8 billion market value even when your stock's up. Well, I mean, I think there's something to be said that they're not cutthroat business people. Well, they're in a cutthroat business. Well, okay. There you go. Uh, let's get to Deirdre Bosa to talk more about the changes and what it may portend. Morning, Dee. Good morning, guys. I've been listening to your conversation. It's unclear whether the new CEO, David Risher, is going to be more cutthroat than Zimmer and Green. You're right. They were known as sort of the nice guys. They were better to their riders and to their drivers. Speaking of David Risher, I did speak to him last night. And I asked him what's the first thing he's going to do as CEO. Have a listen. I think you start by making sure you're priced competitively. Okay. At the beginning, if people are looking at both apps and we're not winning or at least matching, I think we got a problem. That sounds like the price wars are going to recontinue. As you drive volume, assuming the economics super quickly are, every time a person takes a ride, we make a little money, right? So we got to make sure that we get people taking a lot of rides so we can make a lot more money. And then we got to make sure that our cost position is appropriate so that over time we can drop that to the bottom line. Jim, I was really trying to figure out what that pivot will be. He's got to do something different because the stock's been in the garbage. As you well know, IPO'd at 72 bucks a share. It's now what? After today's pop, a little higher than $10 a share. He was short on answers, however. The only time he said, you know, we're going to be competitive price-wise leads to potentially price wars, which wouldn't be good for the whole ride-sharing complex. Um, but it's unclear how he's going to do that. I mean, he also hasn't been a corporate executive for more than a decade. He had stints at Microsoft, at Amazon, but he's been in the nonprofit world. So I wonder if he's going to be equipped for Wall Street. He came out. He was confident. But like I said, few answers. He, given that he's from the nonprofit world, he understands the Lyft model quite well. Uh, I, I got to tell you, George, when I listened to your to your interview, I felt that this was a person with Amazon talents uh, what they've lacked, I think, is a clear path to profitability. This man definitely knows it. I came away from your interview thinking, wow, I got re- to reopen the book again because this guy's just too smart to avoid. Now, that may just be because you brought him out on a lot of different subjects, and I thought it was a great interview. But I, I just said, I gotta re- I- I- this is not the same lift under this man. So anyway, congratulations on getting him, and I think it's an important call. Well, thank you for saying that, Jim. I did ask him, too, if he's going to be able to operate independently, how involved uh, Green and Zimmer were going to be. He said he's going to operate independently, but that dual share structure is still in place. Keep in mind. Well, hard to do any, you know, it's hard to do mergers. I mean, I sit next to David. David, I mean, I can't even get you to do Emerson. <laughs> get me to do but it. The, did you, I mean, I've stopped trading on that one. Yeah. Very nice. Thanks, Dee. Uh, we do have some headlines regarding uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, a new uh, superseding indictment. For that, we'll get to Eamon Javers. Hey, Eamon. 
Yeah, good morning, Carl. Federal prosecutors adding a superseding indictment here against Sam Bankman-Fried. And they are now, in this case, uh, charging the founder of FTX uh, with conspiring to violate anti-bribery provisions of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. They're saying here in this new document that just dropped a few minutes ago that Sam Bankman-Fried was involved in a bribery plot in China. They say that uh, Bankman-Fried wanted to unfreeze certain accounts in China, was not able to get Chinese government cooperation in order to do that and decided that bribery uh, was allegedly the way to go here. They're saying after months of failed attempts to unfreeze the accounts, SBF, the defendant, discussed with others and ultimately agreed to and directed a multi-million dollar bribe to seek to unfreeze the accounts. Uh, they're saying that it was a $40 million bribe that was transferred uh, to one or more Chinese government officials to unfreeze the accounts. The bribe apparently worked, guys. They say here in the superseding indictment, at or around the time of the $40 million bribe payment, the accounts were unfrozen. Uh, they say after confirmation that the accounts were unfrozen, Bankman-Fried authorized the transfer of additional tens of millions of dollars in cryptocurrency to complete the bribe. So we don't know exactly who uh, was being bribed here, or it looks like the total amount just yet, but at least a $40 million uh, initial payment in cryptocurrency transferred uh, to one or more Chinese officials. Guys, this document uh, is quite lengthy. Uh, looks like it's about 43 pages. So uh, we're going through it now. We'll bring any additional details as we learn them. Back over to you. Eamon, appreciate that. Eamon Javers. Yeah, Jim. You know, I think that may just continue. There's a drumbeat going on in Washington this morning. Excellent interview that we have with the CFTC head. Uh, we know at the SEC that Gensler is very upset with Coinbase. We know the CFTC is very upset with Binance. We listened to that. Uh, the congressional enemies of the SEC of the Legion on trying to get something done here. What would happen if the SEC went after directly after both Coinbase and Binance uh, and just went for the emergency temporary restraining order, Dave. What would happen? Yeah, the terms they used this morning, I mean, ongoing fraud, I mean, mincing their I mean, words. I'm listening to this, I'm just saying, okay, but then, of course, the CFTC immediately backs up and say, listen, we don't really have the ability to do anything. And then they come and say, listen, but we can do an injunction, we get for injunctive relief. You go for injunctive relief against Binance, go for injunctive relief against Coinbase, you got a pincer move by the CFTC and the SEC, and then you've got this backed up there. i got to tell you, if the arrogance is, the arrogance of these guys is amazing. You ever been in front of the SEC? I uh, know. Here's what you say. Yes, sir. Okay? Yes, ma'am. Those are two great words to say. If you're ever, like, in there, yes. Can I oh, yeah. It? Can I do it in front of my fireplace like Gensler does with us every time? Take the vacation. <laughs> Someone just hit me saying, listen, Jim, you got to be careful. McCormick was up three when I said I liked it. Now it's up nine. I'm so glad I'm careful. <laughs> Shut up, people. Uh, Dow's got about 50-point gain to start the day. Uh, busy day in uh, bank regulation as we get Senate banking in a little bit. Take a look at bonds as well. Uh, as the two-year back above four, um, what a round trip that was. We're going to watch that. Back in just a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. I've got my uh, 12 o'clock conference, so I'm convening my, the investing club. And just in time, Morgan Stanley makes Emerson, which is one of my worst names, uh, their top pick. They think that they're either going to get NATI, David, or uh, that maybe go back and do a buyback. Now, Emerson has been in free fall ever since they announced what turned out to be a hostile takeover. I thought this was very important, if not just because face saving, because I really felt very embarrassed that I picked the stock. You know, that's what, like, you ever hear, like, managers are always on our shows, they never say um, they're embarrassed. I, I'm embarrassed. I did a bad job, because I believed, but maybe, on you know, 16 times earnings, maybe anything can happen. Uh, it's a natural human emotion. That the other Morgan Stanley note we didn't mention was Jonas, 
on who in the world is going to make entry-level price cars. Boy, he was talking about how Ford, the Ford dealer was unhappy they didn't have some bad car. I, that was a very interesting piece uh, because it was provocative, and we didn't get it. It was provocative. We didn't even mention Tesla. Seatbelts. Tesla's down 1.5%, actually, different than the rest of the sector, at least. And we never talked about Katie Ubrich. Uh, her chart she's looking at, which was internet, U.S. retail internet coming back. That's Walmart, but I'm telling you, that's Amazon. Now, if Amazon were to go over to China right now and offer, like, listen, we'll split this company up, you know what they'd say? What do you think, we're idiots like Americans? It's actually a great chart about sort of curbside, which is less dilutive Wasn't than delivered to home. Yeah, pretty amazing. I thought that was an amazing yeah. stop trading chart. What's on tonight? Well, I'm going to, you know, tonight, uh, tonight. Tell me. Well, I'm going to offer Slim. charts that are going to blow your, blow, just going to blow your mind. It's just you. What? It's just I, you my, tonight. I got my, my call, David. I'm going to listen. I do a monthly, I got a club. I heard you got a club. Not a club I can get the into. Groucho March. Groucho March. Have you as a member? Make yes. fun of me. <laughs> See you tonight, Jim. Give that man a duck. Bad money, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, just about every sector is green this morning. Dow with a modest gain of 44 points. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.